Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to episode 80 of Outside the Sheds. I am still your host, your cruise director, your captain, your Shed Adamus. I'm Corey Jackson. Welcome to the show, Shedheads. I've got to tell you something. Your Shed Adamus was on a heater for a while, was he not? Picking 12 in a row? Picking 12 in a row until I followed Brody and Quint and took the Sharks. And that was the end of it. That was the end of the streak. 12 in a row. Longest streak we've had on this show. Uh, But a masterclass, incredible performance by Melbourne. Broke the streak. And we stopped at 12. With that being said, Chatheads, welcome to the show. I am beyond excited. I'm pumped up. I don't know if I'm still a little bit mentally drunk from the Easter chocolate. I don't know if I'm still mentally drunk from... Jackson Hastings breaching the NRL and coming back full throttle. I don't know what it is. But I will tell you the energy that I have that week after Easter, we're getting ready to go into Anzac round, which to me, again, you know is probably my favorite round in the competition. I will be having my Anzac jerseys out representing the clubs this week. So, you know, it's just a special time, and I can't really stress that enough. I hope you guys got to spend some time with your families over Easter. You didn't eat too, too bad. Uh, Your shed Adamas was dry this entire last six weeks. No bourbon, no alcohol, nothing like that. No uh, processed sugar, nothing. Still really good. I had a little bit of wine, had a little bit of sweets, as as the macho man would say, but you know, Besides that, I've been pretty good, and I'm really trying to clean up the diet, getting back into that fighting shape that uh, you love your shed Adamas in. But that being said, let's go on to this week, the 40-20. And as we go on to these matches that we just had this last round, I've got to tell you something. We got to see two incredible matches. One of them I don't think any of us expected to end the round the Sharks storm game lived up to all expectation. But wow, what 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 a few there were some unique ones in here. There were some unique ones in here. Let's start it off. Cowboys 18, Raiders 12. Another collapse by the green machine. And I have to say that the the alarm bells, the sirens are going off. Ricky's boys are in trouble. I think that. We've seen, and this is nothing against the player, Jack Whiten. Jack Whiten is not a captain. Jack Whiten is not the type of guy that, for whatever reason, people follow and will run through a wall from. And and I'm going to say, for an example, look how the Tigers improved, even though we're far from talking about this match. Look how the Tigers improved with Jackson Hastings. A stabilizing force, somebody who can light into their you-know-what if the players need it, but the players lift. Jack White is not that type of guy. Jack White is a thoroughbred. He is a gun. He is a, a loose cannon, a loose card a little bit. And he's shown some, I don't know, off 
field indiscretions before in the past. But Josh Hodgson was a stabilizing force for that team. Okay, when they had that 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 season when they went and took the Roosters on in the grand final, Josh Hodgson was that was that force. He was that special player. Some people were even saying that he was the best dummy half in the game besides Cameron Smith, and some people said he was better than Cameron Smith. But when st- when things started to go sideways last year between Ricky and Hodgson, I don't think we still know what the what happened there. The team has gone downhill ever since, and. There's just something not right. They get to a big lead at halftime again. The Cowboys not known as a team that are going to just make a gigantic push at, you know, in in the second half. They're not really known as a chasing type of team. And they ran them down, passed them and beat them. So, you know, I think the press conference after the ma- match when when Ricky was really, you know, a lot of people say Ricky's strength is that he defends his players. He may be different inside the sheds, but he but he defends his players to the media. He's got their back. He talks them up. He does all those good things that that that, that a player's coach does, right? But they say that's not happening. And Ricky outed some guys. He didn't out them by name fully, but he said there's going to be some major changes. And some major changes have kind of come down for this week's team. So, um, Really going to be interesting to see what's going to go on with 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 Canberra going forward. But uh, great win for the for 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 North Queensland. Um, again, Todd Payton's boys continue to lift. At times, I don't think even people expect them to. So it's going to be interesting what they do too. Rabbitohs thirty six, Bulldogs sixteen. Cookie. I remember a couple weeks ago, everyone was talking about Cookie. Cookie, Cookie, Cookie. Is Cookie not the same guy? Damian Cook is Cookie. Taking a step backwards. What's wrong with Damian Cook? Well, Damian Cook just proved over the last two weeks, Damian Cook is fine. And he got to punctuate that with his three tries this week to down the dogs. Panthers 40, Broncos 12. Not much to say with that. Panthers continue to roll. Kevy's got some questions to ask. Uh, excuse me, to answer. I know he's got a lot to ask too. But uh, Panthers continue their their juggernaut of a charge. Sea Eagles 26, Titans 18. I think what that one showed me was, again, uh, Justin Holbrook is still trying to get Gold Coast, I don't know how do I say this, uh, firing together, playing as one, living up to, to potential, besides David Fafita having a big run every now and then. Um, but I think what it really shows me is how Manly is starting to win without Turbo. And I think if you remember, the last time Turbo went down, Manly couldn't find a hole to place their walnut if they were a squirrel. They just were lost, right? Not the case anymore. I'm saying we even had a Kieran Foran. Kieran Foran hasn't been hurt in a year and a half now. A guy that people thought his career was over has now gone back to Manly, got himself back into that culture, into that team, back into where, I'm going to say this right now, Kieran Foran should have never left Manly in the first place. And I will tell you this right now also, if Kieran Foran does not leave Manly, and possibly if Dez doesn't leave Manly, Manly probably has at least what other premiership to their name. Now, Let's cut ahead now because that didn't happen to this present day time. Kieran Foran, he may not be the flashiest guy. He may not be the guy that's on the highlights every week. 
but he's healthy and he got to try this week. So Manly is starting to figure out their pace. Ruben Garrick playing well in the fullback position. Manly, Manly, Manly. Storm 34, Sharks 18. The match of the round going to the Storm. We're going to talk about this one here in a little bit. But I've got to tell you something. That was just a match. I'm saying that even the players were saying, you know, Cameron Munster even said afterwards, he goes, that felt like a finals match. That didn't feel like just a regular, you know, round six, you know, square off. He said that felt like finals stuff right there. And it felt like it to me, and I hope it felt like that to you as well. Roosters 22, Warriors 14. The 20 year celebration of the 20, uh, excuse me, of the 2002 Roosters Club, the club that had the great Anthony Minicello, Freddie Fittler, uh, just some of the greats of the game were there. They were all out in force. Uh, even the, you know, Fitzgibbon comes back from Cronulla and hangs out with the boys. Really good to see. Now, I will tell you, it almost seemed like the Roosters were hungover on the field as well as their alumni, the, 20, the 2002 club, because they really didn't wake up. And they did put away the Warriors, like I said, with that victory. But I don't think it was the victory a lot of people were expecting. And Reese Walsh, again, showing his, his excellence and brilliance with the kick. Um, it, was a, it was a good match. I just don't think it was the match any of us were expecting. But the Chooks win. Dragons 21, Knight 16. Uh, a lot of things coming out of this. Kalen Ponga probably played one of his best matches of the season. I know he's been hurt. But he actually showed like he wanted to be there. And I think that's so important. Kalen Ponga is a freak of a player. He's a freak of a rugby league man. Uh, it sounds like he can do a lot of different things away from the game. From golf, would love to play rugby union for the All Blacks, blah, blah, blah. But what I'm saying is... He seemed dialed in. And I don't know, was it because the impending contract uh, situation that looked like it was finished and he probably knew maybe behind the scenes that it was a done deal? None of us did. But the, the important thing was Kalen Ponga started to look like Kalen Ponga again. The problem was the Dragons finally found a little bit of form and the Dragons finally got over the top. And I don't know what this means going forward. I'm by no means going to take the Dragons over the Chooks uh, on Monday's Anzac game. But it was good to see uh, St. George get back in the winning column and get some positive results. And then finally, I think to me, truthfully, this match was almost the match of the round. Tigers 21, Eels 20. Finally, they can pop a little bubbly in the locker room for the West Tigers. And I have to tell you something. You guys know Shedheads. I'm not the biggest Madge fan. Um, I don't think Madge is the answer for the Tigers. But I will tell you, and I, I, I don't want to say I hate to say this, but I was happy for Madge. Because I think it's tough to watch a guy in the box suffering week in and week out, right? It's just tough to see. But Michael McGuire, the, the joy and the exuberance that he showed in that box. But then when the Eels tied it up and it looked like they would have done all that work playing one of their best matches and they could lose, you know, right at the end of the game again, watching the misery on his face too, um, 
it was it was definitely theater. It was fun to watch. Uh, I can't. I, I just can't describe how happy I was for for the West Tigers uh, that they got over the top. And we're going to talk about this one in more detail as well. But um, really, I, I, a very enjoyable round. Um, I actually caught myself just really in tune with two of those matches and locked in a hundred percent. Now, as we go into a little bit more detail about this, I don't know where his future lies. I don't know if he's going to be in Melbourne, if he's going to be up at Redcliffe, or if he's going to be in the Hunter. I don't know where the man's going to be. But one thing I do know for, for sure is that Cameron Munster is a force, and he's a force that has been awakened again. And I will tell you, let's think about this for a second. Maybe some old school Jonathan Thurston 2015 season-ish. Have I seen a player take over a game and that the players on the field, like when they talked to the Sharks after the game, the players on the field just said, Munster awakened and he was just on a different level. And he was. Cameron Munster put on a masterclass performance, something that I have not seen for a very, very long time, a player do. But his run, where he threw two dummies, a goose step, might have been one of the one of the runs that I'll remember for a very long time, because it will be in the highlight reels. It's going to be something that they're showing for a very, very long time. Uh, when Munster retires, it will be one of the runs that are shown on his loop of great moments. But... Uh, He's just, he's a special athlete, and I've never been the hugest Melbourne Storm fan, but I've always enjoyed Cameron Munster, and I've always thought, what would Cameron Munster be like if he if if he kind of just didn't let, let his incredible talent kind of ride over the work that he needed to put in as well, right? But if you look at him, he's lean, he's fit, he's running with, with aggression, he's running smart, he's kicking incredibly well, um... I, you know, Benji Marshall, a few people have said fatherhood changes you. I wouldn't know. I don't have a little shed of damas. But what I will tell you is that even he said afterwards that he just wants to make his kid proud, right? That I just want to be a better man. I, I just want to do things right. Uh, and I know that I have a lot to give to the game. And I think that's all you need to hear as a coach. Now, the question is where this leads him. Does Cameron Munster take a pay cut? And stay with the storm. Did the performance that he just put in change the way that the storm are going to try to get more money, possibly for Cameron Munster? Uh, I don't know, but I don't know if there's a player that is that good that you can just let walk to another team that you might have to face later on down the track. I just, I just, I can't fathom that. I don't see that, and I think that would be very, very tough to do. But what what an incredible game by Cameron Munster. Now, on the other side, I think you have to, if you're a Sharks fan, feel just as good about your club. Yeah, you would like to have won that match. But the thing is, sometimes you would rather lose the first meeting and beat that team in the playoffs, right? You would, you would rather take the, the lumps on the chin, watch what their best performance is, watch what that team can actually do, and then come back and nip him in the playoffs. Toby Rudolph said that might be the case. He's like, I just got this sensation and feeling that I'm, we're going to be seeing this team later on down in the season. So 
I think the Sharks showed a lot. I think there's some question in the standpoint if what what does Cronulla do if Dale Finucane doesn't go down with that head injury early in the match with that HIA? Does you know, I they played some incredible football after that, but we all know the importance of Dale Finucane to that team. Uh, Nico played incredible. I'm saying that kick that he did out to the wing was some some brilliant stuff. But uh, I, I think if you're a Cronulla fan, you're exactly where you need to be, because I think if you beat if you beat Melbourne, then everybody's going to be talking you up as that you're the premier favorites, right? That you're right up there with the Penrith Panthers. You're right there and about ready. You're the 2016 Sharkies all over again. And now with this loss, they can now sit back and they can go back to work. Fitzgibbon now can really light into them and get them to lift their game even to a higher level. And it's tough to coach guys up after they hit a, a, an incredible performance and beat a, a gigantic club. And the Stormer are a gigantic club. So I, I think there's a lot of positives that the Cronulla Sharks are going to take away from this. And I think we're I think this could be truthfully a preview to some of the stuff we're going to see in the finals. So incredible match. Like I said, match of the round going into it. I think it pretty much lived up to it as well. Now, you know me. I try to leave you guys with stuff, feel-good stories, all that. I've got another one for you later on too. But my thing that I really want to address right now and I really want to talk about is Jackson Hastings. And I have been a fan of Jackson Hastings since he wore his Irish mouth guard uh, when he played for the Roosters. He had a falling out there, moved on to Manly. Had a problem with DCE, moved on from there. And a lot, then he went to Blacktown, it just, it just did not look good for Jackson Hastings. And if you listen to Jackson Hastings talk, he says that he had a lot of demons that he had to face. And I think... Like I tell my friends when I'm not on this podcast, yes, Shedheads, I'm other places besides this podcast, outside the Sheds. Um, when you talk to children who've had a tough upbringing, uh, lost a parent, a parent has left, uh, one parent has struggled, whatever, that affects you for life. Now the question is, do you get a grip on that and does that make you a better person because you learn from it and make yourself better from it? And I think Jackson Hastings was listening to demons. He was listening to voices in his head. He didn't know exactly where to go, how to handle himself. He's always said that he's not that one of the guys where he's just out of the club uh, every weekend with guys. He's kind of private. He kind of turns to himself a lot. And sometimes that doesn't work and doesn't isn't the most popular way to handle yourself in the sheds. But I will tell you, since I watched him, and I watched him play a lot of matches at Salford, and when he got them to the grand final, that match that got them to the grand final still to this day is maybe one of the biggest moments in all of rugby league where my mouth was agape. I was sitting there watching how they dismantled that Wigan side to get to the final. And no one gave them a chance, right? No one gave them a chance to make it to the, to the grand final. But they did it. They did it. And... If you can go back and look at some of the footage of those fans from Salford and the tears and there's a little boy that you'll never forget seeing him as he's just weeping and screaming at the same time, the, 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 the pure joy and happiness uh, that he had this moment. And, that, and let's be honest, shitheads, that, 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 young man may, that young kid may never experience that ever again, being a Salford Red Devils fan, right? 
But it was Jackson Hastings. And again, Jackson Hastings comes in, gets a side that has not lived up to expectations, has, has always been downtrodden, put him on his back, and he guided them to the grand final. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do that with the West Tigers. But I will tell you, the switch from 5-8th to, to halfback by Jackson Hastings and, and, and the way that Luke Brooks looked, and I think that's an important thing to, to, to really go off of, how Luke Brooks looked when Jackson Hastings took over. It was almost like the weight was lifted off of him and he could just dish and deal, dish and deal. He didn't have to worry about being at a certain spot or moving people around. That is, that is Jackson Hastings' wheelhouse. Now, you can say and talk about Jackson Hastings for another 20 minutes like I could. But I think what you really need to do is to watch how the rest of the team lifted their games. Lifted their play. And I will tell you, to me, the, the epitome of that was on the kick and chase. Dane Laurie trying to remove Clint Gutherson's ribs on that tackle right after Gutho received it. That showed me everything. That, that showed me that the West Tigers were there to play, that the West Tigers, they may lose, but you were going to have to beyond beat them because they weren't going to beat themselves. And David Nafaluma had a, a, a great game, and when doesn't he have a good game for the Tigers? It was, it was probably the most inspirational match that I've seen the West Tigers play for a very, very long time. If they play that type of football like they played on Easter Sunday, or Easter Monday, excuse me, against the Cronulla Sharks two years ago in Robbie Farah's last match for the Tigers, they go to the finals, and they don't finish ninth. That's how long it's been since we've seen that type of performance by the West Tigers. I would maybe say that victory when they beat the Broncos up uh, in Brisbane with uh, Michael Cheekham's run. That was probably the only other moment that has been just, you know, highlight type of stuff where no one gave them a chance and they went in there and took care of business. And being able to see the Tigers celebrate in the locker room afterwards, uh, to me, that's why you play sports. That's why you play sports. No one gives you a chance. Even the Shed Adamas picked the Eels. But they proved everybody wrong. They, they, you know, Jackson Hastings said in an interview before that match, Jake Duke was interviewing him and he said, we're not here just to show up. We're here to win this match. And he said that like it was nothing. He said that like that was just, yeah, no, yeah. What do you think we're here for? And that's what you need. And, and I saw a couple pundits talking if Jackson Hastings should be the captain of the West Tigers. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Adam Dewey. Blah, blah. Let me tell you something. Adam Dewey has been with the club. And they haven't performed the way they did under Jackson Hastings' reign. So, I don't know what this means. They've got a tough, tough, tough match coming up uh, against the Rabbitohs this week. But I will tell you, they will be in this match. And I will tell you, they will be close to winning this match if they don't. And when we get into my picks, we'll see if I take them or not. Well, I know you guys are going to be happy to hear this, but months after speculation... Kalen Ponga has decided to 
hold for effect, hold for effect, hold for effect. Stay with the Newcastle Knights. That's right. After word came out on, I think that was, no, that was during the match. That was on Easter Sunday uh, when word came out that Newcastle was pulling their contract offer. And all the pundits, all the reporters, all the media was up in arms like, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? I don't know if it meant to Kalen Ponga's camp, let's get this done because we're done. We're, we're tired of messing with this. I don't know if that's what it really was. But I will tell you, the effect it had was that. That's what the effect was because Kalen Ponga inked a five-year, $5 million and probably some change, probably incentives. I don't know fully. I'm not his agent. I'm not his lawyer. But I will tell you, he is staying with Newcastle for the next five. Now, what does this mean now for Clint Eastwood and the boys up in Redcliffe? That's right. The Dolphins, the Flippers of the North. What does that mean? And I don't think any of us know. I, I think there's not a lot of players left on the table. I think that that means that you know, do you now go all in and try to get Cameron Munster and, and probably overpay for him? I, I really don't know. But there's a lot of talk that they are going to probably go after a guy to break his contract to come in. And a lot of people are circling Reese Walsh because Reese Walsh, young father, Reese Walsh, young bride, significant other, Reese Walsh, you know, got a, a, a young family. Uh, and when the Warriors go back to New Zealand, does he really want to uproot his family and take them to New Zealand? Or would he really rather stay up in Brisbane, up in up in Queensland? So I think that is the one that a lot of people are looking at and circling is if that is where Clint Eastwood goes to next. I, it will be a very... Uh, it's going to be something to keep an eye on. It's going to be something that I think we haven't seen all the dominoes fall yet. But I would never bet against Wayne Bennett to try to pull off a master coup. That's all I'm saying there. Well, we don't want to get negative here. But a team that is in a desperate need for a victory is taking on another team that is in need for a de desperate victory. And that is we've got the, the big Bulldogs versus... Broncos tussle this week. We've got a play, we've got a problem. NASA, we've got a problem. Because four players for the dogs are now in COVID protocol. All right. We know that's the way of the world sometimes, a little bit. And they're all pinning this possibly to a dinner that the club had. Okay, whatever. But the problem for the Canterbury Bulldogs is that they have eight players already out with injury. So that brings the total to 12 players that are not able to take the field against the Broncos. A Broncos team that is going to welcome back the great gamble in the halves. So I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what the future holds. I just know, again, if you're a Canterbury Bulldogs fan, you have to think that you have no luck whatsoever. And you might not. Because their backs will be against the wall again. And it'll be interesting to see. You know, I saw I saw Gus Gould doing his, uh, his, his podcast. And Gus looked tired. 
Uh, Gus looked like what next? But Gus is Gus, and he'll somehow find a way to handle it and try to get the Bulldog forward. I just know I'm happy I'm not having to do it. Now, a while ago, Shedheads, you remember I reported on a story that ex-North Queensland Cowboy Timmy Martin was starting a slow comeback, that he had gotten uh, doctors to okay him taking contact in rugby league because he had a you know he had to retire early after 50 or 55 games with a, a a slow brain bleed it looked like it healed up he was feeling fine he played some incredible footy in New Zealand and next thing you know you hear that he signed a developmental deal contract whatever you want to say with the Brisbane Broncos to come over and just to play with the club. Just see what you let's see what you got, Team Marie. Let's see what you've got. Well, I again I can't stress to you about enough about how much of a feel-good story this is. Because I don't care if you're a Broncos fan or not. I don't care if you're a New Zealand fan or not. If you're a good person and you're a fan of people coming back from horrible circumstances, this is your story. Because Team Marie Martin is going to play at fullback for the for the Brisbane Broncos this weekend as they take on the Bulldogs. Due to the fact that Tessie New is injured, uh, that he won't be playing for a, few, for a while now, I can't tell you how much I am excited, how nervous I kind of am too, uh, because we know that this is, you know, this is, this is a violent game. It's a dangerous game. But Tamari Martin will be back in the fullback position for the Broncos on Friday Night Footy. And I am so excited. I can't tell you. I, I'm going to tell you this right now, Shannon. I'm going to say a prayer for the guy uh, for the match. That he stays healthy and that he has a moment that he can galvanize in his head for years to come about his comeback and what he just did on the field. So congratulations, Tamari Martin. Hard work pays off. I know a lot of us, uh, no, what am I saying? I know, not me. I know some of you shitheads, hard work is not something that is in your, uh, how should I say, vocabulary, let alone in your back, let alone in your knees. Either way, when you see a guy who puts that in and he gets the rewards for the hard work, I'm a big fan and I'm very, very happy. All right, let's go into these round seven picks and Zach round. We're starting off tonight, Thursday night, Sea Eagles versus the Sharks. And I've I hadn't picked this one. I, I picked everything else because I was really I was going back and forth. But I am going to go with the Sea Eagles over the Sharks. And the reason I'm doing that is because I think that loss of Dale Finucan uh, is going to be a big, big key factor. Nico Hines is going to get handed the captaincy for tonight's game, but I just think that Finucane's loss and how well Manly's playing uh, spells trouble for the Sharkies. So I'm taking I'm taking Manly in that match. Friday night, Bulldogs versus the Broncos. And again, the same match I was talking to you about, about Tamari Martin being back. I'm going Broncos all the way on that. Saturday, Titans versus the Cowboys. This one was a really tough one. Holbrook against Peyton. 
uh, a battle for in Queensland, but I'm going to go with the cows. I think that somehow North Queensland finds a way to win these games, and they take it personal. Todd Payton talks to them about how important it is to beat all the other clubs in Queensland, so I'm going with the Cowboys. Rabbitohs versus the Tigers. I was hinting about this. I was hinting in the fact where Shedheads, I was like, I bet you don't know where I'm going with this one. But I'm going to tell you right now. I've got the Tigers beating the Rabbitohs. I've got McGuire getting over on his old club. And I have Jackson Hastings again leading the Tigers to a victory. Eels versus the Knights. I think the hangover from the Easter Sunday loss. I think that hangover continues and I've got with that new contract Kalen Pong and the Knights defeating the Eels Sunday Raiders versus the Panthers the Penny Panthers how would you think I wouldn't pick the Penny Panthers to ride over the top of Canberra so we got the Panthers Monday the big match the match going on at the SCG the one that everyone points to when we talk about Anzac round Roosters versus the Dragons. And as you can guess, I'm taking the Chooks over the Dragons. So, let's see. We are 14 for our last 16 for our, our, our NRL picks. Let's keep that streak going, folks. Let's keep it going, Shedheads. Now, as we go into On the Mark, so much happened in the world of the AFL. The CEO steps down, we talked about, or is resigning, retiring. A lot of things taking place on the field. We know this. We're missing Dusty. Still hasn't come back yet. But the games this week were pretty pretty outstanding. There was a couple of them that were just master class. You know I love master class. Master class performances. And it started off Lions 98, Broncos 91. The Pies showed some pluck, but in the end the Lions were just too much. Bulldogs 139. Ruse 71, the doggies demolishing the ruse. I just, I've got to tell you something. Ruse fans, I I don't know what to tell you guys. You you guys are still there supporting your club, but it's got to be tough. It's got to be tough. Swans 121, Eagles 58. The Swans embarrass a, a undermanned Eagles side. A side that, again, just seems to get no luck whatsoever. Saints, 87. Suns, 61. Uh, St. Kilda, I think, again, are starting to wake up and are about ready to put that push on to get into that eight to solidify themselves in that side and in those top eight. Crows, 101. Tigers, 82s. Huge match. Crows do win. Tex throws Kachi around a little bit. Kachi strikes out with his foot. A lot of little bit of drama in this match, but losing their captain, I think, is the big, big, big thing coming out of that tussle. Demons 120, Giants 53. The D's just seem to get stronger. Uh, I would hate to see anybody getting in their way, and they've got the Tigers this week. Blues 94, Power 91. I might say this might have been the match of the round as the Blues. Hold on after being up by 50 points. Hold on 
a power surge that falls a little bit short. But uh, Blues, again, I, I said this a week or two ago. This match shows me how the Blues have changed as a club. Because in other years, they would have crumbled with a team chasing them down from behind like that. They steadied the ship, they got the waters right, and they won that. Dockers 107, Bombers 59. Um, really unique. Uh, and we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this one a little bit more in a second. And then finally, Easter Monday, Hawks 92, Cats 80. The young guns of the Hawks shining. Tom Hawkins doing a little bit of concerto diving, uh, which no one wants to see. But the Hawks uh, bring it home, uh, even with a late try celebration. Eh, who cares? Uh, Hawthorne getting the victory. Now, after their 48-point loss to the Dockers, a lot of people have been talking about the Essendon Bombers and the way that some of the players were laughing on the grounds after their, I don't want to say dreadful performance, but we'll just say it, dreadful performance. And I'm kind of cross with this because none of us have been on the field with those guys, right? We may know some of those players. We may have met some of those players. But after playing a full, complete AFL game, the amount of running, the amount of intensity, all that type of stuff. The body's gassed. The body is beaten down. It's To say it's fatigued is an understatement. And if you haven't seen a buddy, an old mate, for a long time, and you finally get to catch up with him, uh, and he's probably giving you a little bit of a niggle or talking about old times as you guys start to talk or bring things up, you're probably going to smile and laugh. Is it a good look? No, it's a horrible look. Is it something that you want to do every week after losing? No, you don't. But we don't know the story. We don't know if those are two buddies from Western Australia that grew up together. We don't know. We don't know. So, yes, does it look good? No, it does not. But can you understand it? Yes, I can. And if you can't understand it, it means you've never played sport before. So, Big talking point. Some people are really upset. Some people are like, get over it. But no matter what, that is what sport is. And I think it also shows today's athlete. I think today's athlete just doesn't hold on to grudges. I think today's athlete, it isn't the end of the world that they lose a match like it was 15, 20 years ago. And I do miss that. I do miss that hard edge intensity. I don't, I don't enjoy watching these guys hanging out at bars or each other's homes or going to parties after the game. You do that in the offseason, but during the season you hang out with your teammates and you don't really talk to the enemy or the other team. So I do understand that. Um, but again, these that's how some of these guys are nowadays. You know, There just isn't that animosity like we used to have. Now again, the, the Crows have really had a, a, a trying beginning to their season. And it, it it was punctuated again with beating a Tigers team that, for whatever reason, has the toughest time in the world going out and playing in Adelaide, especially the Crows in Adelaide. And they were on track to get their victory, which they got 182, like I said earlier. But I think the thing that just really stands out from this match 
Is their captain, Rory Sloan, going down with an ACL injury, ruling him out for the rest of the season? And, and I don't know, you know, he's a 32-year-old player. He's got tons of experience. And I don't think a lot of people really realize how important it is for a team to have that veteran leadership, let alone their captain. So I don't know where the Crows go from here. I know Tex is back. I told you earlier about him ragdolling Kachi uh, from behind. But it's going to be a fascinating time to be a Crows fan because this season could go either way. And it is the crossroads almost right now. But losing your captain usually has an effect that that you just don't get away from or come back from easily. Now, Coach Matthew Nick says the group is going to be captained by the leadership group, uh, who right now it looks like it's Brody Smith, Ben Keys, Riley O'Brien, and Tom uh, Tom Doty are going to be the ones that are going to captain the side now, and they're going to share the captaincy role. So one of the things this possibly could do is it could get a young player from the team comfortable with leading his teammates. And I think that's going to be probably the best case scenario of what could come from this. But um, Tex is definitely going to have to step up there and lead and do what he has to do best to kind of take that team if they really want to continue to push and to try to make the finals football. He's back. That's right, Shedheads. I know that you've had a place in your heart missing. But it's back. It's filled back in. We're going to put some putty up over it, seal up that hole. Because Toby Green is back from suspension this week. Toby Green will be running out onto the field for his GWS Giants side. And it couldn't be a moment too soon. The Giants, 1-4, struggling. Coach off contract. Cameron, wondering what his future is going to be. But knowing his future is sealed in stone if he doesn't get those guys winning again. So, again, I don't know if one man can change the fortunes of a club. But Toby Green is a ball of energy. Uh, You either can't stand him or you love him because he plays for your team. But he will be out front and center this week to see what he can do to get the GWS Giants back in the win column. Now, this story really fascinated me because I didn't know. Um, I've never been the hugest, hugest Hawthorne Hawks fan. Uh, I do know greatness when I see it. And Alistair Clarkson, to me, is one of the best coaches that I've probably ever seen uh, coach in the AFL. But Clarko has kind of gone a little quiet, kind of disappeared a little bit since he Gave up the reins as the head coach of the Hawthorne Hawks. But he has reappeared, and we have now found out in detail what he's been doing. He has been in America. He's been over here. He's been over in the divided states. And he has been meeting, first off, spending three months, they're stating, with the Golden State Warriors, becoming, they're saying, pretty darn good friends with Coach Steve Kerr, but learning about franchises, how they run, how a good franchise runs properly, what they need to be successful. And I don't think you could pick a better team in the NBA that gets that than the Golden State Warriors. Uh, They're proving it right now. 
um, with the way they're playing in the playoffs, the way that they have dealt with Draymond being injured, the way they dealt with Steph being injured, and they're playing some incredible, incredible basketball. So when I hear that Clarko has been over there for three months just taking in and ingesting all that information, I'm like, wow, well, that that's definitely going to help him later. But now Clarko is with the Green Bay Packers. And the Green Bay Packers, if you don't know Shedheads, is they don't have a majority owner. It's 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 a, a large group of people that own it, right? Shareholders and stockholders. But the other thing about the Packers is it is a Green Bay is a town of a hundred thousand people. So the thing that Clarko's trying to do in this whole thing is put together a package to show why having a team in Tasmania can be successful and the and the benefits it brings to the AFL. And so he's going to these clubs that aren't the giant the biggest clubs in the industry and he's proving why they can be a a key member to being the 19th team for the AFL. And and and, and don't try to think for a second that the AFL isn't paying attention that Alexander Clarkson is is the guy doing this and the biggest guy behind making this happen. And I think when they find out that I have a slight suspicion that Alexander Clarkson is probably going to hedge to coach that team. But brilliant stuff. Clarko, again, impressing me with how he handles business, what he does, and how he goes forward with it. Now, this week's clash between the Dockers and the Blues, a lot of people have penned, a lot of people have circled, uh, and are, are really, really excited by it. The Dockers are playing really good footy. Uh, the Blues are showing that they have a real strong possibility to be in the top four at the end of the season. But then reality kicks in because the Fremantle Dockers right now are in a situation that they're having to deal with COVID. And they've lost five players to COVID this last week. Those players are right now Connor Blakely, Heath Chapman, Hayden Young, Liam Henry, Matt Johnson. Those guys are all down and are out of this week's match um, under COVID protocol. And I'm not, I think most of these clubs are all vaccinated if you're playing for them. It just shows you that one, COVID is still here. So everybody who's marching around out there acting like, you know, we beat this. We beat, you're, you're insane, but more power to you. Um, but it's still there, and it's still affecting people, and you know, it's affecting clubs. And if you don't know this, if you're overseas right now, if you're down under, the LA Clippers, in their play-in game, they're playing uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, and their best player didn't get to play in that game, winner take all, because he came down with COVID. So, I can't stress to players i can't stress to people enough this is still ongoing uh and we still have to stay diligent against it so uh that is my follow-up to on the mark let's get into some picks coming up for this this new round uh we start off friday night anzac round saints versus the giants i've got the saints in that one crows versus the bulldogs i'm gonna take the doggies saturday eagles versus the power I'm taking Port Adelaide to get off the snide and get their first victory of the season over that hapless Eagles team. Blues versus the Dockers. I myself are hedging now towards the Blues with the five players being down for Fremantle. Cats versus the Roos. 
I think the Cats come back. They bounce back after their loss to their bitter rivals, and they put an example piece down on the ruse. Sunday, Lions versus the Suns. The roar I'm going with on that. We're going with the Lions. Demons versus the Tigers. You, some people are saying it is the new school West, excuse me, the new school Richmond Tigers up against the old school Richmond Tigers. Well, I'm going to still go old school. I know Dustin Martin isn't on the side, but I'm taking Richmond to upset the Melbourne Demons. And then Swans versus the Hawks. I, I myself think that the, the biggest high-flying club maybe in the competition right now is the Sydney Swans. So I'm going with the Dangerous White Birds. And then Monday, Magpies versus the Bombers. Everything's pointing towards the Pies, but I am not. I'm going, I'm going the opposite. I'm going with the Bombers pulling off the upset in Anzac round. Now, as we go into the guns, I... I probably picked one of my first guns with the lowest stats ever, but what he did was incredible. But my number one gun, Cameron Munster, I know it's hard to believe, one try, 183 running meters, two line breaks, one try assist, 14 tackle breaks, excuse me, 14, four tackle breaks, eight dummy passes, 11 tackles made, and 221 kicking meters. Again, maybe... The best match I've seen Cameron Munster play ever, or if it hasn't been ever, for a very, very long time. My number two, and here he is, Jackson Hastings. The West Tigers do not beat the Parramatta Eels if it wasn't for Jackson Hastings. And even though his numbers aren't gaudy, he is still a gun for what he did for the Tigers. He was one for one for conversions. He had one one-point field goal, 95 running meters, one try assist, 19 tackles made, and 208 kicking meters. Again, not over-the-top stats, but the performance that he laid down and what he brought out of his teammates was why he is my number two gun. And then finally, Charlie Cornrow, five goals, one behind, 15 disposals, 14 kicks, one handball, five marks, three tackles, 276 meters gained, for the Carlton Blues in their dismantling of... Eh, not dismantling. I'm sorry, Power fan. There was no dismantling there. They just handled them. Beating the Power. Now, as we go into outside the bubble, this story is a story to me that has a lot of legs. I think this story, for some reason, is bringing up a lot of emotion in people. But I want people to understand, if you see a lot of the people that are showing emotion in this story, they've got a little bit of a sketchy background. Let's go into it. Wimbledon came out today, said they will not allow any Russian or Belarusian players to play in the championships this year. All right? These are the players that this affects, and probably some more. But Daniel Medvedev, Andrei Rublev, Sabalenka, Azarenka, Hachinov, Pavlichenkova, and Kazakina. All right? A pretty big list of players. You've got to say Daniel Medvedev, Arena Sibilinka are probably the biggest names of those. I know Azarenka definitely had her time as one of the best players uh, on the WTA. But here's my thing. Anybody who's right now standing up and saying that they do not agree with the Wimbledon club 
not accepting Russians to come in and play in their tournament are probably people whose country is not being invaded. So if you haven't had to look at your local grocery store, if you have not had to look at possibly um, all of your belongings burning to the ground, if you haven't had to look at people laying in your street dead because maybe sniper fire, if you haven't had to look at that, it's very easy to say, you don't. I don't believe in this decision. But when those are your people, and when you see the total disregard to the world, the total disregard to your own people because of how tough things are becoming in your country, you have to do things. And I want to do this. I want to applaud Wimbledon. I want to applaud Wimbledon to having the stones that so many other organizations, so many other tournaments don't have the testicular fortitude to make the call on. The reason the Russians want to be in the World Cup or the number one player in the world or all this is because it's a positive light on their country. That's where this person is from, right? So they are positive about it. They want that type of stuff. But that being said, you've got to put your foot down. And number one way to make Russia not quote-unquote stay the tyrant that it wants to be, is to take away its public spotlight and to make it look like it's an outcast, which it almost already is, but still. It's not, these are not easy decisions. But for things to get done, sometimes you have to make the tough decisions. And these players that are coming out saying this is horrible, let's remember two of them that are doing this. Martina Navratilova and Novak Djokovic. The number one country supporting Russia for this move besides Belarus is Serbia. Okay? What is Novak Djokovic? Serbian. So why do you think he's not going to downplay and say players shouldn't? Because he's from a country that likes Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin. You like how I said that? Because he's always pushing the, the, the inevitable. Vladimir Putin. Okay, whatever. But, and the other one, Martina Navratilova. Don't forget, even though Martina now says that she's a proud American, and I'm not saying that she's not. She's not originally from America. She's from Czechoslovakia. And you heard I didn't say Czech Republic. Czechoslovakia. So a country that was run by the Russians until it became independent and started becoming the Czech Republic and the Slovak Republic. Slovak Republic. So you have to look at the two voices that are, are in such an outcry. And I'm not saying that they play cards with Vladimir Putin, but they definitely are from two countries that are sympathizers with the Russian scenario, the Russian movement, the Russian Russia. So let's remember that as we look at these two players that are talking about that tennis is in a civil war. Let's just remember that. Let's, let's really remember that. So... <sighs> that just makes me tired, shitheads. That makes me so, so tired. So let's go on to something else. I don't know if you've been watching the NBA Finals, but the NBA playoffs to me is is a pretty, pretty special time. I'm not even, I told you, not even the biggest basketball fan, but the NBA Championship Finals is some of the best theater that you can see in professional sport. And 
the runaway favorite to win the, the championship this year has been the Phoenix Suns. Well, the Phoenix Suns go down in game two, 125 to 114. But the big story coming out of that isn't that they lost, is that they lost Devin Booker. And Devin Booker is their young gun. He is their ace. He's all this type of stuff. Now, he's led around by CP3, the old, the old wily veteran, but CP3 can't do the stuff Devin Booker can do. And it's now being reported that it's a it's a bad hamstring strain that Devin Booker has, and that they're expecting him to to miss games two and three. What that means is that Phoenix could be going home to save their season because if if New Orleans goes home and holds home home court and win both games. The Suns will have to find a way to, go, to, to, to dig themselves out and then go back, you know, to New Orleans uh, and, and to get a victory. It, it, it is going to be tough. It's going to be so, so tough. They need Devin Booker. And Charles Barkley even said last night, if they don't have Devin Booker, they're not winning the championship. They're not winning the championship. So very, very, a, a very... Um, Fluid situation going on with the Phoenix Suns and their possible, um, how do I say this, loss of a player that could possibly bring them the championship. Now, as we talk about the NBA Finals, I also want to talk to you about the Golden State Warriors. To me, the most exciting team in the NBA. Uh, To me, the team that will show you that passing is a way to beat anybody. But the Dubs... The Dubs have a line now called the death lineup. And I know you guys are thinking right now as, as the your Shedadama says that that's the coolest lineup I've ever heard in my entire life. And that's true. You're right, Shedheads. And this lineup consists of the obvious. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and Jordan Poole? Wait, wait, wait. And Jordan Poole? Jordan Poole, Michigan player, has come in and is so ready for the limelight, so ready for the spotlight. He scored 59 in his playoff debut. The only other player that's done that is Wilt Still Chamberlain. Okay? So let's keep that in mind when we talk about a plateau of where you're ranked. That only Wilt did what you did. That right there is almost unfathomable. But he has changed his game so much. I'm saying he, the confidence in his passing, when to take shots. He's not looking to pass at times, even though he will make an incredible pass. But he's he's comfortable in his own skill level to pull things off. He's comfortable in the way that he plays to pull things off. So I don't know if you've seen them yet. I think they play tomorrow night. Uh, the, the death line. But the the dubs are back. And they are back and looking more dangerous than ever. And I'll tell you something. This is the best case scenario for Golden State. To either get, quote unquote, the Suns ejected out of the playoffs because them losing to Noah. Or even getting dragged deep into a playoff series to just get a little bit more bruising and, and beating down on the arms and legs and everything. 
uh, before you go forward. And that's why they say so much that playoffs is a war of attrition. Who's going to be healthiest at the end? And I've got to tell you, Golden State's looking good. Now, we knock on wood because we know every team is one injury away from being an also-ran, right? But I don't see that happening. I see Golden State getting more and more dangerous. And I, I picked them to go deep in the playoffs. And I, I think they have a really good chance of winning this thing. I really, really do. So, um, well, that does it, Chetheads. I just dropped too much knowledge on you. We just talked dubs. We talked Russians banned. We've talked about the two things we're here for, NRL, AFL. I hope, again, you guys had an incredible Easter holiday, that you got to spend time with your families, that you ate so much chocolate, you're ready and done with chocolate, and you're ready to get healthy again with me. Come get on board with the Shed Adamas again. Let me help you, okay? Corey's coaching. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. But until next week, Shedheads, be safe out there. It's such a crazy world, such a crazy place right now. Stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been Outside the Sheds, and you know who I am. I'm Corey Jackson. Until next week, see ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.